Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hi, everybody. Want to welcome you to today's show. It is going to be another great show. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Taylor abduction. This is a UFO abduction case. Um, I actually seen it on television many different times, like Unsolved Mysteries and um, years ago, just different things. And I kind of forgot about this case until recently. It popped up on a sh- on a search that I was doing, so I thought, hey, this would be an interesting case to put on the show. Now it is older; it's from the 1960s or early 70s. I'm not sure which, and it happened in the UK. But we're going to go over that. It is the Taylor abduction case. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The year was 1979, and this is the case of Robert Taylor, who had a harrowing UFO encounter. Taylor worked as a forestry worker for the Livingston Development Corporation in West Lothian, Scotland. He was a respected war hero. He was known as being good and honest and not prone to spinning wild tales. He didn't get into trouble. So when on November 8th of 1979, he stumbled back from a trip to a hill called Dutchmont Law, looking disheveled with cuts on his face and torn clothes and looking somewhat the worse for the wear. People were actually very concerned. When the visibly shaken man had gotten his head together a little bit, he began to spin a spectacular tale, a bizarre tale, that he had been abducted by a UFO. Now, according to Taylor, he'd gone out with his dog to do a routine check on the fences and the gates, and it was for a sampling project going on in the area. 
since there were no direct roads to this location, he parked his truck on a nearby expressway and he and his dog went into the woods of Denchmont Law on foot. And as they progressed through the forest, Taylor says he was startled to see a sight of a dark gray metallic flying dome, only about 20 feet in diameter and only 30 feet high. It was in a clearing just above the forest floor. And apparently it was kept aloft by a, an array of small propellers. As he looked in wonder at this weird sight, he claimed that the air was pervaded by a smell like burning brakes. It was something very strange indeed. That's not something you would smell out in the woods generally. And then he said before he even had time to process the sight of this UFO, that two small spheres detached from the larger craft, and they were like sea mines. So they were spherical round with protruding feet on it, kind of like you'd see for the coronavirus animation. And it rapidly began rolling on the ground towards him. These spheres reportedly grabbed him with sets of protruding spikes and he struggled against them. He tried to get free, but it seemed to him that it was emitting some kind of a toxic gas. He was overcome and all he remembers is smelling of burning rubber and he felt his strength leaving his limbs. The whole time that this was happening, his dog was barking ferociously at the objects. At this point, Taylor lost consciousness. When he awoke, he was laying face down in the clearing, and the clearing was now empty. There was no sign of the UFO or the malevolent spheres. His clothing was shredded, and he had cuts and abrasions on his face and across his body. Taylor made his way back to his truck, but he was unable to start it. The engine was completely dead, and then he managed to walk all the way home, although he struggled on foot and stumbled. When he arrived home, he had trouble speaking. He was dazed and confused, and he staggered into his home, and he was rambling. His wife states that he was barely coherent, and immediately she called the police and an investigation would ensue. At first, the police treated this as a common assault. They wrote up Taylor's mutterings of UFOs and spiked killer spheres as just rannings of his stressed mind. Nevertheless, they did go back to the scene to investigate. And when they got there in the area where the dome had allegedly appeared, they found flattened grass and they found 32 anomalous holes in the ground. They were about three and a half inches in diameter and they formed a strange semicircular pattern. There were as well some ladder-like marks that looked like the treads of a bulldozer. The authorities tried to find out what could have made the marks, so they contacted the Livingston Development Corporation and one investigator would say this. After examining every piece of machinery they had up there, we did not find anything to match. These marks just arrived. They did not come from anywhere or go anywhere. They just arrived as though a helicopter or something had landed from the sky. An object of several tons had stood there, but there was nothing to show 
that it had been driven or towed away. There appeared to be no rational explanation for these marks. In the meantime, Taylor's ripped clothing was examined by forensic experts who came to the conclusion that they had been torn by something hooking into them and then pulling sharply upward, which, when taken with the thread marks, made the story of domes and spiked discs sounding less and less far-fetched. Police would ultimately log the incident officially as an assault, but there was nothing more they could do. Sheriff's Deputy Dave Murphy was a complete skeptic when it came to the paranormal. That is, until he worked security in the Capitol Theater in Salt Lake City in 2012. Murphy was a guest on the sci-fi TV show Paranormal Witness, in which he detailed exactly what he and other officers had experienced during their time at the theater. Murphy rubbished all claims of the paranormal until he himself saw dark shadows moving through walls one night at the theater. Then doors started to slam shut on their own while no one else was in the theater. Next, Murphy heard spectral voices and music, and eventually the specter itself appeared in the middle of the stage. On one occasion, Murphy even saw a woman dressed in clothing dating back to the early 1900s. He claimed to have seen her walk right past him in the control room where he worked. Murphy also went on to say that eventually the shadows he saw the first time around wanted him out of the building and physically attacked him. Blair Fuller, the administrative manager of the Salt Lake County Center for the Arts, also experienced the paranormal going-ons in the building for himself in the form of an elevator opening by itself and file doors opening and closing. Fuller believes that the main culprit haunting the theater is the ghost of a 17-year-old usher who died in a fire at the theater in 1947. An unnamed off-duty police sergeant was driving along a road near Silbury Hill in July of 2009 when he saw what looked like three forensic officers dressed in white overalls standing in a field and staring at something on the ground. Stopping to investigate, he noticed that all three of the figures he was seeing were over two meters tall and had blonde hair. While approaching them, he also heard what sounded like static electricity reverberating throughout the field. When the officers noticed him, they took to their heels and sprinted out of sight faster than any human would be able to. According to the sergeant, the three beings were inspecting a crop circle that had appeared in the field a few days earlier. After experiencing further paranormal activity, the sergeant decided to contact UFO experts, which led to crop circle researchers Andrew Russell and Colin Andrews investigating the incident on behalf of the terrified officer. The Wiltshire Police Station had no comment on the sighting, stating that it was a personal matter because the sergeant was off-duty at the time of the incident. Russell and Andrews, however, are convinced that the policemen saw something out of this world. In 2015, 25-year-old Jennifer Grosbeck 
was driving home with her 18-month-old toddler, Lily, when her car hit a cement barrier and crashed upside down in a river. A fisherman spotted the wreck in the water 14 hours later and immediately alerted the police. Officer Tyler Bedos was one of the first to arrive at the scene, and when he spotted an arm through the window of the submerged car, he and three of his colleagues immediately jumped into the water to see if they could find survivors. At this point, all four of the men heard a woman's voice calling out to them. Feeling extremely motivated by the chance to save a life, the men pushed themselves to get to the car, only to find that Jennifer Grosbeck was dead and had been for some time. Lily was hanging upside down, fortunately out of reach of the freezing water. The officers initially did not see her, but as soon as they were able to turn the car right side up, they saw the little girl and immediately got her out of the vehicle. Lily was unconscious, but her eyelids were fluttering, giving hope that she might make it out alive. She survived after being rushed to the hospital. The police officers don't know where that mysterious voice came from, but they credit it with motivating them to get into the water faster, which may have saved the baby's life. Over 20 years ago, I took an alarm call at the old PTA building across the street from the courthouse in Austin, Texas. The alarm had already gone quiet when I showed up with a senior officer. We found an unsecured door slightly open on the east side, so he posted me there while he finished the perimeter and other officers arrived. I was staring right at the door when the alarm activated again and the door slammed shut in my face loudly. The senior officer ran back to my position and asked why I closed that door. I told him that I didn't. We called for K-9 and the dog arrived shortly. I went in with K-9 to clear the building and we found nothing, but the entire time the dog was acting very hinky, like someone was in the building but he wasn't picking up a scent. We secured the building and the key holder showed up. He said, well, you know, the place is haunted, right? There was a secretary who worked there for about 30 years, and after she died, she keeps showing up for work. Papers fly off the desks, doors close, sightings, the works. We both told the key holder the next alarm call there was is all his. This is more accounts of police seeing something scary while on patrol. Several years ago, I took a 911 call for a family reporting that their teenage daughter was possessed. They claimed no possibility of drugs or a history of mental health issues, which I, of course, didn't believe for a second. Family members were holding her down, and I could hear two people screaming at each other in the background. I asked the caller to tell whoever was yelling at her to stop. The caller said, it's her. I responded that I knew it was her, but whoever was yelling at her at the same time to stop. The caller again said, it's her. Both voices. I kid you not, it was the creepiest thing I have ever heard. I've been doing this job for 25 years and have heard many things. I know of man's inhumanity and the horrible things people do to each other, but this... This was a different kind of evil. I was clearly hearing a young girl screaming 
At the same time, an adult male was yelling back. I couldn't understand either language, but they were clearly two different voices. The family swore both voices were coming from her at the same time. It made my skin crawl. The lieutenant listened to the tape later, and he looked at me and said, Do you ever wonder? Yes. Yes, I do. This next case is from a police officer. It was an experience he had while working in station. Things were going pretty well until he spotted something strange on one of the cameras pointed at the entryway to the station. Now, scrutinizing the visuals on the camera, Romero initially thought that the bright white blob he was looking at must be an insect until he spied the legs below it. He realized then that he was looking at what could only be described as a ghostly figure. And since the entryway to the police station is blocked off with a gate and secured with an alarm system, Romero knew that it couldn't be a human figure that was showing up on the footage. He reported what he saw to his superiors the next day, and most of them actually believed him. Some even came forward to tell of their experiences. Some said that they often heard strange, unexplained noises in the building and had experienced weird sightings in the lobby as well. Romero relayed a story to KOAT-TV saying that he believes in ghosts and thinks that the ghostly figure he saw may have something to do with the unsolved murders that have taken place in the area over the last few years. Based on a new study, the city of Sedona, Arizona has the most UFO sightings in all of the United States. While it's not a large city with a population of about 10,377 recorded this year, it does surprisingly have an exceptionally large amount of UFO sightings. UFO sightings have been recorded for a very long time. In fact, one of the earliest documented sightings in the United States was reported back in 1904. The U.S. government then began investigating the sightings in 1948 as part of Project Blue Book, which lasted until 1969. And there have been a lot more alleged observations in recent years, with a total of 6,281 in 2019 and 7,267 in 2020. Based on data collected by Cheryl Costa and Linda Miller, they are the authors of UFO Sightings Desk Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2020. They've ranked the top locations in the country for people witnessing UFOs. And they revealed that Sedona, Arizona had a total of 166 sightings between 2001 and 2020. This calculates to 1,608 UFO observations for every 10,000 residents. As for why the small city has so many sightings, there really isn't a clear answer, except that since it is in the desert, locals have a great unobstructed view of the sky. There are numerous leading observatories and flight schools in the state, so some of the sightings may have been student pilots out practicing their flying skills. Additionally, the unexplained objects 
could have been nothing more than flares being dropped by military aircraft. However, not all of the encounters can be easily explained as, as just this past February, a pilot and the crew of American Airlines Flight 2292, it's an Airbus A320, flying to Phoenix, Arizona from Cincinnati, Ohio, witnessed an unexplained object traveling at a speed of 400 knots and an altitude of 36,000 feet. They described it as being a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile and traveling at an excessively fast speed. While it wasn't viewed directly on top of Sedona, it was a very interesting sighting by a pilot and crew members on their way to the state. With Sedona ranking first as the city with the most UFO sightings, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is listed second with a total of 400 observations between 2001 and 2020, calculated as being 1,223 sightings per 100,000 residents. Rounding out the top five are North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Patterson, California, and Naples, Florida. At the other end of the list, Cincinnati, Ohio was ranked last with only 75 sightings per 100,000 residents. And if you're interested, the full list of the top 50 locations in the United States with the most UFO sightings can be viewed. And you can go to 247walst.com, 247walst.com, and that'll give you the cities with the most UFO sightings. This next account comes from Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. And it is a sighting of a cryptid near Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. A South Central Pennsylvania waste hauler recently observed an unknown cow-sized hyena-like cryptid at approximately 3 in the morning during his route near Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. The following account was recently sent to me. Around 3 a.m. on July 14, 2020, I had my first close cryptid sighting. I'm writing to you in the community to see if anyone else has seen or heard anything of the likes of what I saw today. I'm a waste hauler, a trash man. I start my days very early every day, so the majority of my work day takes place in the wee hours of the day. I live in South Central Pennsylvania and have resided there my entire life. My place of employment is in the college town of Shippensburg. My job sits on outlying areas of Shippensburg. A lot of these areas are surrounded by vast farmlands and open fields. Well, this morning while traveling to the start of my route, I turned down one of the many roads surrounded by fields. It was a half crescent moon, so there was plenty of light to see in the darkness. As I rounded my turn, I saw what looked like a cow laying in an open field. But this field had no fences or wire to keep livestock in. And it was only one. I found this very odd as I'm looking at the broad shoulders of what I thought was a cow. So I broke out my high power mag light to brighten up what I was looking at. When my beam hit this animal, it rose up from the ground in a slow lumbering and purposeful action. 
as it came up on all fours. The creature stood about five to six feet tall at the shoulder blades. I'm in my truck and I'm elevated, and I sit about that high above the ground. This creature was about 30 feet from me, and I know if I stood toe-to-toe with it, its head would be taller than I am, and I'm six feet tall. Now at this moment, the back of this creature is still facing me. It then turned its head into my light, and the lens flare off its eyes were a yellow-green color, and the eyes facing forward. This was a predatory creature, not a cow. At that moment, heat and cold washed all over my body, and I feel genuine, life-threatening fear take over. I didn't move. Sitting in the middle of the road, knowing I'm low on the pecking order of the food chain at this moment, it continues to measure me for what felt forever, and it suddenly turned its head and tore off faster than I know I could run. My pathetic guess is about 30 to 40 miles per hour as it darted away. And after this, the only thing I could think was that it was some sort of giant hyena, the most terrifying real-life creature that I've ever witnessed, and it was gone so fast. It's been on my mind all day, and I had to share this experience. I always listen to your show or others and hear about people and their sightings, feeling away like wishing for my own experience. And as of this morning, I really wish I didn't get my turn not like it was staring at its next meal. I hope there are others out there that have seen or heard what I saw, that light can be shed on the topic, especially for my area. I work in that darkness all the time. Now I'm looking over my shoulder. Lon Strickler states that they're in the process of interviewing the witness and they plan to send investigators into the area. So we're at the top of the list. What I'm talking about, folks, is the 13 best haunted houses in the United States. And we did a list that came off of hauntedworld.com where they rate them. And we have gone through the first, well, 10. And I'll do a quick brief of who they are. Number 13 on that list is Spooky Woods in Archdale, North Carolina. Number 12 is Disney's Haunted Mansion, both in California and Disney World. 11, The Dent Schoolhouse, Cincinnati, Ohio. Number 10, Bennett's Curse, Baltimore, Maryland. Number 9, Knott's Scary Farm, Los Angeles. Number 8, Hell's Gate, Lockport, Illinois. Number 7, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. Number six, Penhurst Asylum in Spring City, Pennsylvania. Number five, The Darkness of St. Louis, Missouri. Number four is Field of Screams in Mountville, Pennsylvania. And that leaves us with the top three. So here we go. Number three, on the best of the U.S. is Haunted Overload in Lee, New Hampshire. You can find 
information on Haunted Overload at hauntedoverload.com. Number two on that list is Headless Horseman Hayride of Ulster, New York. You can go to headlesshorseman.com. This year's theme for 2022 is Rise of the Shadows. They feature a haunted walking trail plus nine other attractions. There's escape rooms. There's a gift shop. There's deadly donuts. There's a hayride. So there's a lot to do at Headless Horseman Hayride. But the number one attraction in the United States, according to HauntWorld.com, is the 13th Gate. You had to know that was going to be on there. The 13th Gate is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. For more information, you can go to 13th Gate. So the number 13th Gate, 13thgate.com. And at 13th Gate, they have Carnival there, but it's not really Carnival. It's Carnival. They have free concerts. There are costume contests. They have giveaways. There's merch. There's food. There are roaming characters. There are escape rooms and haunted games. And it features a VR asylum. Holy crap, that's, that's incredible. Um, I do think that I've heard about 13th Gate more than once on different, different kind of like travel channel shows. And it looks amazing. Um, I'm not anywhere near Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but if I were, for sure I'd try it out. If you've been to 13th Gate, let us know how it is. You can reach us at PD at Petrifaction at ProtonMill.com. Just let us know. Or if you've gone to any of the haunted houses, you have a favorite one, let me know. I might feature it on a show. Okay, folks, those are your top 13 best haunted houses across the United States, featured in hauntedworld.com. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified.